When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Christen. How you doing, brother? Well, coming off of a really solid and fun week in Pitt Athletics and particularly Pitt Basketball, of course, uh, one and one this week. And then if you want to go back to the North Carolina game last week, uh, just a really just fun stretch here for Pitt Hoops, and that's what this show's going to be mostly about, if not all about, is Pitt basketball and just where things rest and just how we feel about the program going forward because coming up this week, a big one against Duke and then at Georgia Tech, so th- there's no rest for the weary here once you get to ACC play. And Gary, as for me, I'm doing all right. I got the coffee going. I had a nice, solid Sunday breakfast. Hopefully we see with the Steelers if they can pull it off and you know, squeak into the playoffs, but I'm doing all right, Gary. Yeah, I mean, if the Steelers pull it off and squeak into the playoffs, I know a certain beat reporter who's going to be extra busy. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, you know, as far as the pit coverage goes, I'm kind of like not sure where I'm rooting, Corey, but no, um, it, it should be good, man. I, I'm excited about today's game, but as far as pit hoops goes, yeah, Virginia was a big win. You know, number 11 ranked Virginia. I don't know that you or I expected that. Uh, I thought we both thought they had a shot against Syracuse. We both thought they had a decent shot at taking down North Carolina because of where they are. Virginia, I wasn't so sold on. I thought that was going to be a real tough contest for them. And I'll be honest, I kind of downplayed Clemson a little bit. So... You know, if you go one and one in those contests, not the direction I thought they'd go, but you still go one and one in those contests. I'm okay with it. You know, I don't want to undercut Clemson. And the first thing I want to do is kind of give Brad Brownell credit and give the Tigers credit for kind of holding Pitt off at the end because there's obviously two sides of the equation in every game. And for as, like you said, I think that was a winnable game for Pitt. I thought even going in, Pitt should have, I don't want to say, you know, covered the spread, whatever it was, or, you know, won by double digits. But I thought Pitt had a good chance at winning by a couple of possessions. And I didn't think this game would have to come down to the final shot. There's always that chance, but I didn't think it was likely here. But Brad Brownell deserves a ton of credit for this program that he's built. This, of course, was an NCAA tournament team two seasons ago. they They reached an AP ranking of 12. They were a tournament team four seasons ago. It's a really solid, maybe under-the-radar program in the ACC that I think now after this win against Pitt, this is from a Clemson perspective, kind of puts Clemson on the map in terms of where they're back at nationally. And Pitt kind of got to do that against North Carolina and Virginia. Pitt got to come back and beat North Carolina. They came back and beat Virginia. The way in which Pitt beat those two teams, 
is what was most impressive about them. And they really stuck together down the stretch, of course, made some big shots. And we felt really good going into Saturday. And quite frankly, you should still feel good after that Clemson game and going into Duke. I do feel good, Corey. And I, I think the reason I feel good is because I, th- I think Pitt lost that game trying to do something. I think if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, and I would love for you to fill me in with real information. If I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, Jeff Capel is no longer anticipating John Hughley to just step back onto the court. And he really felt the need yesterday to push it a little bit with some of the depth. So we saw Guillermo Diaz Graham get 12 minutes. We saw Nate Santos get 12 minutes yesterday. I think that directly affected the outcome of this contest a little bit. But I also think it might be an important thing moving forward because you're not going to get through ACC play with, with six guys. You're just not. No, and not even seven. You know, you you have to go eight to nine down the stretch in the season. This, of course, we're you know at the beginning of January right now. You know, we're January eighth as we record this. So, talking getting into the second week of January, which is really where things start to ramp up. So once you're into late February, right, and once you're getting to the back half of that schedule, that is when the Guillermo Diaz Grams and the Nate Santoses have to step up. That is where you want John Hughley back in at at some capacity at this point. And to our knowledge right now, it's a personal issue. um, So we're not going to really expound too much on it. There's no time frame to him to come back. So whenever John does come back, we would anticipate that Jeff Capel would get him in basketball shape first, and then he gets back on the floor. And at this point, honestly, just keep bringing him off the bench. Because I think the starting five right now, as it sits, with Federico in its center, has some pretty good synergy. Now, I will say, they lacked a clear paint presence against Clemson. And maybe Federico wasn't the solution in that game. Whereas against the Jesse Edwards at Syracuse, that's length versus length. Whereas versus an Armando Baycott at North Carolina, that's length versus length. Clemson was far more physical against Pitt, which I wrote about in my story. But... I think that having a John Hughley back and just his mere presence on the defensive end, he doesn't need to score, obviously. We we have, you know, players here at Pitt that can score and that will score, like a Blake Henson. Jamarius Burton has been tremendous this season, all ACC caliber. So once John Hughley comes back, I think that's going to shore so much more up, not just with that front court, but also with that depth. And that's going to help Coach Capel go eight and nine deep once we get down the stretch of the season in late February. See, I've heard you now multiple times just in this episode say once he comes back. I'm not so sure. And I'm a fan, so conjecture is what I'm going to do here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting just context clues together. I'm seeing a guy that's healthy in street clothes, not playing, watching his team need him desperately for depth. And I'm questioning what's really going on here. I understand you don't have answers and you can't add to that. But to me, it just seemed yesterday like that game was right there for the taking. And we're still forcing Santos into situations that he's not used to. We're still forcing Guillermo Diaz Graham into situations he's not used to. 
they're, they were trying different things with Jamaris Burton too, like moving him off of the point and putting him on the wing, you know, things like that he hadn't been doing when they're trying to, to capitalize almost like just moving parts around and seeing what these guys could do. Felt very experimental yesterday is what I'm trying to say. Well, I will say too, Nike Sabande probably had his worst game in about three, four, five games. I mean, he played 19 minutes, but he was just one of four from the field, only a couple of rebounds. Um, you know, didn't play particularly well either. Nate Santos was Pitt's leader in plus minus, by the way. So mm-hmm. while he didn't score in bunch, he didn't shoot the ball well, he was one for five. He, th- he was still productive in his minutes out there. He obviously had the buzzer beater before uh, halftime right there. But no, you're right. I, I mean, whatever John, you know, whatever John is going through, whatever it is, and, you know, that's obviously being kept in-house. We have asked Jeff Capel. We have asked, you know, hey, what's going on? When's he, you know, is he okay? Is it an injury? Is it academic? What is it? And he's really keeping this buttoned up. So this must be a, per- a serious personal thing for John to not only, like you said, not play, but also continue to be there at every game on the bench in street clothes. So – What's that line? What is the situation? And speculation's obviously running wild. And I don't want to get into speculation because, you know, we can only hope that John is, you know, if it's a mental health issue, we can only hope he's okay in that regard. We can only hope that he's improving in it. Um, whether he really is going under, you know, something personal, we can only hope that he can get through it and that his team is supporting him. And obviously we can support him in the best ways that we can as well. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the brass taxes, you know, like we said, having a John Hughley on the floor will be all important for Pitt going down the stretch, and they missed a guy like that against Clemson. Absolutely. So let's take a quick break, come back. Let's talk a little bit more about where we think this team really is and what we see it developing into. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you. And, you know, first of all, we should say these conversations are a whole hell of a lot more interesting than I thought we were going to have about pit hoops this year when we started the season. So I'm, I'm happy to be having conversations about actual players doing things and moving them around. And that's interesting to me. Where yeah. are they, Corey? Like, oh, yeah. they're a veteran team. You know, they they really are. They may not have that playing time experience from where they've been, but they've all been around programs for a long time. A lot of them are just about done with college. Realistically, they they, they kind of play like old people. You know, <laughs> like Jamarius Burton, he's got some veteran swagger to his game, man. He can he can take over uh, every once in a while and. 
you know, it, depending on how they're shooting, Greg Elliott and Nellie Cummings are capable of that as well. Blake Henson can take over physically um, if if he doesn't get silly with fouls, which he does on occasion. And Fetty's learning. So, I mean, where do you feel this team is? What do you think the, the, the cap is on what they could do this year? Well, I think these last two games have been kind of prime examples of when it's good, it's good. And here's where Pitt, you know, the pitfalls could potentially be. You know, take Clemson, for example, okay? Blake Henson gets into fouls, uh, five fouls. He fouls out like with nine seconds left. So basically plays with four fouls for a good portion of the second half. Federico has four, Guillermo has four, Nelly has three, JB has two. So they get into some foul trouble, which didn't help them. And that goes back to the conversation about depth that we had, um, you know, in the first segment. But when we kind of previewed this team and in the early part of the season started talking about what Pitt could be, you know, we kind of compared this team's makeup and the design and how Jeff Capel went to the transfer portal for Nellie Cummings, Blake Henson, Greg Elliott. Last year, he went in for JB. He went in for Federico. He went in for all of these guys to, so to speak, lack of a better phrase here, clean house. Because, you know, he starts his pit tenure off four losing seasons in a row. Not really much going for it. Obviously, with Dior Johnson, you know, kind of being a suspect, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, in, in terms of high school prospect, even, you know, he flipped around a lot of high schools. It was a question as to whether his heart was really in pit. Capel used the phrase, fell into our lap. So, you know, you have all of this stuff going on with your program. So you have to redesign it. You have to retool it. Right now, this recipe that Jeff Capel has figured out with heavy guard play, with finesse underneath without going as physical it has worked in a large portion of this year now again like we talked about that missing piece in a john hughley is what kind of i don't want to say cost them against clubs and that's a little harsh but i think having a john hughley as that enforcer underneath you know every team needs an enforcer you need a glue guy and an enforcer it, those are two really like basketball terms a glue guy is the guy that it's self-explanatory holds it all together to me, that's Nelly Cummings. He kind of holds it all together. When he's clicking, when he's cooking, things just work well for Pitt. Jamarius Burton's obviously your star in terms of scoring. Blake Hinson is obviously your two in terms of scoring, at least right now. But you have to have an enforcer underneath. You have to have someone that brings toughness, that brings physicality, that brings it. And that's the thing Pitt missed. Now, once John gets back, whatever it may be, Pitt will look like a more complete team. And this is all while... The Diaz, uh, the Diaz grandbrothers continue to develop and grow and get comfortable. This is all while Jeff Cable figures out his bench, talking about a Nate Santos, talking about a Nike Sabande, talking about the Diaz Graham twins. So there's like a bunch that are just kind, that's just kind of coming together and surging, kind of at the right point. You know, think of it as like um, like a like a exit almost, like on an interstate. You know, you got Pitt coming up one way with what they're doing now, then you got more coming up, and they're just going to merge together. So I think that there's still more that Pitt could bring to the table. And the fact that they've been able to go 2-1 and one against North Carolina, Virginia, and Clemson, I think is a really good indicator of the growth and just where they are in those steps. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. And I, I think what you talk about with the enforcer aspect that it, inside, yeah, I think that and scoring, um, they don't really have that penetrating scoring. Fetty 
has not developed that kind of inside presence yet. Um, he's he's more apt to kick it back out as soon as it comes into him. And I haven't really seen Guillermo look that strong under there yet. Um, the positioning is a little off uh, defensively. That's why they get so many quick foul calls on them because they, they tend to go up when they shouldn't and they're not really in, in position to block out. That takes time to learn. I understand that. And they're both young players. So you're right. Getting Hughley back changes that a lot. This is valuable experience though for these guys. And and some of these guys in particular, like that we've been mentioning, well, there's a good chance they're still going to be here next year. You know, I, I don't know that, that the transfer portal is going to take everybody from them, but a lot of these guys are going to graduate. So even if they make progress, Corey, um, are we kind of looking at a situation where like they're going to have to go out and, and take advantage of the portal again next year to backfill? That's such an interesting topic because when I look at the team's makeup and how Jeff Capel is kind of going about with this, this 22-23 roster, you know, the veteran presences are, are there. And next year you're going to have to have a guy like a Dior Johnson grow and develop and everybody in the world seems to think he transfers. I, I at this point, you know, Jeff Capel's given him a second chance. Heather Like has given him a second chance. If he doesn't see that, I don't know what to tell you. So I'd I'm have to say, imagine part of the conversation there was if we give you a second chance, you ain't going anywhere, right? I mean I mean, I mean it, Dior's got to be able to see the forest through the trees here. If he gets a second chance from Pitt, gets reinstated back into college basketball after all of this, and then bails, then I'm sorry. Like, you can't put that on Capel. You just can't. Capel's doing what he can to help him. But the point is, next year, okay, I'm looking at this year's roster, okay? Nellie Cummings is a grad student. Blake Henson's a junior, so you'll have him around. Greg Elliott's a grad student. John Hughley's a junior, so you'll have him around. JB's a grad student, so he'll likely be out. Um... Nike Sabande is a redshirt senior. I believe he has a medical redshirt. Um, but there's three major pieces right there that I just mentioned that for sure. Nellie Cummings, Greg Elliott, and then Jamarius Burton that you'll need to replace. Now, Pitt has three really good recruits coming in next year. Um, signees now at this point. So um, Capel had a really good, strong 23 recruiting class and just picked up the commitment of Nellie's brother, uh, Brandon Cummings. Right. So. Like, I think that's for 24. I'd have to double check on um, my recruiting uh, engine is like I'm mixing football and basketball players at this point. But um, <laughs> yeah, let's but, get Jared Wayne in there. We oh need somebody that can catch the ball in, oh in my traffic, goodness. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you completely just brought it up, too. And I mean, I guess we can hit on it in the third segment. This is live uh, planning, by the way, folks, for listening. Uh, Jared Wayne hitting the NFL. Uh, you know, we could talk a little bit more in the third segment on that, but that's, that's, uh, leaving a hole for Pitt football's receivers. Or, but on basketball, you know, I think that Pitt is still going to be in a good spot, even with the players that are coming in in the 23 class. But there's no questioning the gravity of the players that are going to be leaving after this year. Now, could Capel at the portal again? Absolutely. I, I mean, he could go back in and just find similar guys like an Elliott and like a Cummings that, you know, might be of service to them in the portal. And I think that the season they're having this year, this is important, is kind of putting them up in the pecking order of those portal rankings. You know, some transfers might have looked at Pitt 
one year ago from today and said, well, why would I ever go play there? Obviously, right. Hinson, Elliott, uh, Federico, and Cummings didn't do that. But some now might be saying, well, this is a place. Like they're seeing ESPN2 on a Saturday, and they're seeing the zoo popping off, and they're seeing a really close, high-intense one-point game against a really good ACC team. Now Pitt is putting itself back on the map in terms of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Watchability, viewability, um, respectability, even in a way. And, right. you know, the, the wins over North Carolina and Virginia kind of put them back on the map. But I think the competitive close loss against Clemson kind of reinforced things in a way. And, you know, the uh, we talked before the season about the upheaval in the ACC with the coaching. You know, just you don't lose a Coach K and have the same kind of clout. I'm sorry. I, Duke's still a good team. They're going to be a good team. They're going to live on his reputation for a minute. But at some point, Duke maybe isn't Duke. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of things that could start to change in the ACC, too. And, and why not have Pitt be a team that can step in and take that mantle? You know, they're, they're a good program. And, and the three players coming in next year, I want to I stress this, because Marlon Barnes, Carlton Carrington, and then Jalen Lowe, as of right now, that pit recruiting class is second in the ACC and 21st nationally. When you're up there in college basketball in the ACC when you're in recruiting, I mean, okay, Barnes played high school ball with John Hughley. He's from Cleveland, number five player in Ohio. Carlton Carrington, top 100 player in Rivals 2023 rankings. Jalen Lowe, consensus four-star, and right behind Dior in terms of rankings as far as recruits that Capel has pulled in. So – Players are seeing this, and of course you added Brandon Cummings, a three-star. Some have him listed as a four. I'll go with a three. Of course, having the endorsement of his brother Nelly helps, I'm sure. But, you know, that's a hometown kid that's going to stay home. So Pitt has a lot coming down the pipeline that's to like, you know, to help reinforce starting next year. And that's going to add, you know, with Dior Johnson, who if he takes a redshirt this year, he'll still be a freshman. So there's still a lot to like about the future of this program, even with what they're doing in the present. Nice. All right, so this this coming week here, let's wrap up pit basketball. We've got number 16 Duke on Wednesday and we've got Georgia Tech on Saturday. So, that's a couple of interesting matchups. Georgia Tech probably a down program, but they've traditionally give Pitt trouble. Not unlike Clemson actually, probably in the same kind of category. And Duke is Duke until they're not. So, you know, if you're Jeff Capel, this is a probably a marquee matchup for you. You want this game. Well, Duke just struggled with Boston College on Saturday. Before Pitt tipped off against Clemson, we were sitting in the press box watching it. And, you know, it came down to free throws at the end for the Blue Devils, and they squeaked out a win in Boston. Um, Jeremy Roach, John Shire has said Jeremy Roach might not play Wednesday. So that would be a not a massive loss, but it's still a pretty sizable loss for Duke. And this is a team that can be had. You know, North Carolina was a team that can be had. I think Virginia was the toughest team in this whole stretch. Um, I agree. You know, start, starting with Syracuse and really ending with this week against Georgia Tech and even carrying into Louisville the week after. So um, we'll see what happens. In Cameron, always tough to pick the road team in Cameron. Um, always tough to think that the road team is just going to, you know, pick up from where they left off in Cameron. But if there's a guy that knows how to play in Cameron, it's Jeff Cable. So – should be a right. good game on Wednesday. And then, of course, at Georgia Tech, you know, Georgia Tech right now um, still kind of figuring things out. They're 1-4 and four in the ACC, 8-7 and seven overall as we record. So 
We'll see what happens down in Atlanta. But one way or another, I think Pitt wins that game. Um, it'll be interesting on Wednesday to see kind of how they come back and respond after a loss to Clemson and, you know, just where that resolve level is and where that resiliency and, you know, that amnesia, so to speak, is and learning from that loss to Clemson. Right. And one more note on the basketball team before we take another break and head back into football for a minute. The, the, the comeback against Virginia probably impressed me more than anything they've done this season because nobody comes back on Virginia. The way that they play defense, that team is a lockdown specialist team. When they get a 10-point lead on you, you are not going to win that game. And Pitt came back and did it. That, that speaks volumes to the leadership on that team. It really does. I mean, that's Tony Bennett in a, to a T. The Tony Bennett defense is as good as it gets in college basketball. So any team that's able to find a way to break through that has something to it. And, you know, there was a lot of respect thrown after the game from both Jeff Capel and Tony Bennett towards each other. You know, Capel called Virginia the class of the ACC over the last decade, which it's hard to argue that. You know, Bennett really gave Capel credit for just the program. And, you know, he mentioned that, you know, Capel's lost players for one reason or another. It really hasn't had a fair shake because of all of the circumstances around him. But now it's from Bennett's perspective. And this could just be coach speak. This could just be, you know, respect after a game, you know, given, given the flowers like coaches do. But, you know, Bennett basically said, like, this pit team feels real. This pit team feels like it's here. This pit team feels different than what we're used to seeing. So, I mean, that, that comeback against Virginia was about as good as it's going to get for any team against the Cavaliers. You know, Pitt kind of right. found some kind of blueprint there. Pitt found some way that, you know, a crack in the armor, so to speak, to Virginia. And they almost found it to Clemson down the stretch, but just couldn't execute a couple plays, couldn't hit a couple shots, a couple too many fouls, and that was the difference in that game. All right, Corey, let's take a break. We'll come back. Let's talk football. Let's specifically touch on some of the free advertising Coach Does has been getting for us, huh? Right, and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you, and it's time for a little bit of pit football. See how the role reversal works when the seasons shift, everybody? Mm-hmm. We promised we would get into basketball more, and, and instead of us just forcing it in because we love it, now we're actually talking about it and leaving a little bit of room for football. So, Corey, what I'd like to start with really is the free advertising that Coach Narduzzi has been getting, really. Um, You heard Sean McDermott from the Bills talking about just how instrumental he was in in helping to educate him on on the type of player he was getting in DeMar Hamlin, you know, and we should also throw out it's it's great to hear that that DeMar is recovering, man. And Mm -hmm. like my heart stopped for a minute (laughs) when that happened almost almost at the same time. It was it was a crusher Mm -hmm. just to see that situation play out and i'll be blunt i didn't know how i was going to watch football this weekend if i didn't hear some good news so god bless those players that were ready to go out there and play one way or another oh i feel the same way i mean i had to 
you know, write the story, obviously, for the site. That's that's the job. That's journalism. This is where journalism gets hard. And quite frankly, this is the type of situation where football doesn't matter anymore. And you never want to see this happen. You never want a player to have to go through this or anybody to have to go through this. And like you said, uh, thank goodness, thank God, you know, whatever being you believe in, whatever religion you you worship, whatever, you know, um, whatever you do and, and however you cope and however you deal with issues like this, DeMar Hamlin is a warrior and DeMar Hamlin is a fighter. And the fact that he is has gone from, you know, near death. I mean, he had to be resuscitated on the field. He had to be brought back to life on the field by the training staff. You know, God bless the trained professionals and the skill and the you know calm and the just leadership of those people. And then the way that he's been able to fight and come back and now he's active again. You know, he's talking, he's awake, he's, you know, joking around with his teammates. He's saying, did we win the game when he wakes up? I mean, <laughs> what a tremendous turnaround from him. And, and it's so amazing to see the support go out for a guy like DeMar Hamlin. But yeah, I mean, Coach Tomlin, you know, given a, 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 a praise to uh, Pat Narduzzi as well for Kenny Pickett and the development of Kenny Pickett. We saw that on right. Sunday. Sean McDermott, like you said, talking about Coach Narduzzi and the program, you know, developing a kid. Yeah, Sean Payton on, on Fox Radio talking about um, Mark, Pat Narduzzi and the program that Pitt's built and Pitt men, so to speak. You know, all week long with the, with their reaction to DeMar Hamlin, I was looking to see how his former teammates were going to handle, because obviously, you know, any reporter, you know, the first thing we ask Kenny Pickett is DeMar Hamlin. You know, the first thing sure. we ask Cal Adamitis about is DeMar Hamlin. The first thing we ask Tyler Boyd about, even though he didn't play with them, is DeMar Hamlin. So I wanted to know what guys like Cal Adamitis and Rashad Weaver and Jordan Whitehead and all of these guys that played at Pitt with Hamlin had to say about it. And the common thing that I got from them was just about the kind of guy that he was. And you could see it evidenced by how the toy drive that he had going on with a goal set of $2,500 is in the multi-million range. It is blown up epically. And celebrities, A-listers, a lot of people have donated to this cause just to show that support. So that all goes back to not just at Pitt, but McKee's Rocks Kid. Obviously, growing up in this area, that's how he was raised. That's how this city brought him up. And you have to feel good about, you know, getting that good news. And you have to feel good about the person that it's happening to. But, yeah, for Pitt's sake, um, amazing free pub for Pat Narduzzi this week. And it, it, it's certainly, you know, with, with Kenny Pickett, with um, giving a guy like DeMar Hamlin a chance to develop as a player and as a person. Um, it's really been a good week for Pitt football, too. Yeah, I mean, because he he doesn't do everything right. I think everybody knows that. You know, he he steps in it every once in a while. He he throws out a a comment off the cuff when people transfer that you know will will turn people off on occasion. But for the most part, I think he gets uh, a lot of positive comments from the next level, and I think that is very valuable when college kids are making a decision on where they want to go. Um, so it's good to hear, good to see. And again, nice advertising that said, 
we just found out we're losing another guy here, huh? Jared yeah. Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Jared Wayne going to the NFL. Um, really, am I surprised to see this? I'm not sure because he had no peep about it going into the Sun Bowl. And he obviously played the Sun Bowl. It was a captain in the Sun Bowl alongside Eric Hallett, who also who also is going into the NFL. But, you know, for me, Pitt losing Jared Wayne, and I wrote about it. You can check more about it on the site. This leaves a huge hole in Pitt's offense. And if a guy like Phil Dracovic is going to come in and succeed in 2023, then I think there is something to be said about having a number one clear-cut wide receiver. Now, the right. difference between having Jordan Addison leave and Jared Wayne taking over as the two is that Wayne was here for a while. How is Kanate Mumfield and Bub Means going to be able to slide into the one and two? Or does Pitt have to go to the portal? Now, there's a lot of players out in the portal still, and Pete Thamel of ESPN reported that Dante Cephas likely headed to Pitt. Um, there's a couple of good receivers that Pitt has offered throughout the portal. Namely, in my off the top of my head, Tyrone Broden of Bowling Green, and I only use that as the top of my head for two reasons. Number one, I covered him two years ago, and number two, <laughs> he's six foot seven and caught seven touchdowns this year with otherwise mediocre quarterback play in the MAC. So he's a kid that can get up and get it. He's got some skill, and he's already got a lot of Power Five offers. So those are the two names that I would look at in the portal. But when it comes to Wayne leaving a hole in the receiver's room, I mean, this is the second year in a row Pitt has to replace its leading receiver, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a guy that's in the top, I believe, 12 in the program history in receiving yards. So Jared Wayne had a phenomenal career at Pitt, too, by the way. That's underrated. Both things can be true as well. Like, I I think it can be a big loss for Pitt and, and a lot of leadership and a solid veteran wide receiver. And I can also kind of feel like I don't see him getting drafted. Um, I just don't. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think the wide receiver depth is ridiculous in the draft, and he's probably to me going to be a, a undrafted signee if I had to guess right now. For age but, alone, I mean that's about a fair guess. Yeah, age alone, and uh, just not as skilled. And doesn't have the intangibles. He's not flashy. Yeah, Yeah, but you know what you can credit him for is that he works hard and that he's a gamer and that he plays hard. You know, he's he's a pit wide receiver. (laughs) You know, he's a pit wide receiver. Well, I can credit him for that. And I can also say maybe this is where you call back on when those comments from NFL coaches to about Pat Narduzzi are tangible Mm -hmm. because that's starting to spread. So if teams are going to go, hey, what do you think about Wayne? He's going to be like, I didn't even have to ask him if he was playing in the bowl game. Dude was just going to play. Yeah. It didn't come up whether he was leaving or not. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a gamer. Well, and, this, and that's the sort of thing that you need to focus on. Well, this could be a show where things are a little more uh, quiet for us. But the players that actually declared for the draft, and this could be draft build up show time, you know, looking at guys like a Eric Hallett, a Brandon Hill, a Jared Wayne, a maybe even a Hobbs Baldonado. Guys that, what I'm saying are, could have stayed another year and guys that maybe could have benefited from another year and brought that stock back up. I think when you look at Israel Banacanda, you look at Servasier Dennis, you look at Kalaja Kansi, 
I think those three guys are surefire day one, day two picks. The first group of guys I mentioned, the Hill, the Wayne, the Hallett, the the Baldonado, where do they truly lie right. in NFL draft stock? Now, going back to the conversation about how Pat Narduzzi is getting now national notoriety because of the program. And obviously the ACC championship last year, you know, you can't discredit that. You have to remember that. And the way that they were able to beat UCLA in that Sun Bowl, going out with, you know, a thousand replacements and doing it and not likely finishing top 25, you know, does that boost the back end guys, so to speak, up the draft board? Keep in mind, when players commit to the players commit, when players declare for the draft, they're given advice on it. Right. When they don't have to go yet. So Jared Wayne has probably gotten advice saying, you know what, you could land here or you could be projected here or we think you'd be best fit here. Now, it's part of a guessing game, but there are some, you know, experienced agents out there that the good ones will recognize you could go now and get this value or you could wait and potentially get this value if you uphold next season. And there's that pressure on it, too. So, you know, whatever happens with Jared Wayne, by the way. Is it too early to conspire that the Steelers are going to pick him because Kenny Pickett exists and, you know, there's receiver <laughs> rapport and, you know, Miles Boykin's a free agent. Is there is there speculation on that or am I throwing that out there? But we'll see what happens with a guy like Wayne. But nonetheless, really good career at Pitt, uh, you know, statistically speaking, a top 10 receiver in program history, which you probably have to dig more to figure that out yourself. And that's a thing that I kind of had to dig to figure out. But it's it's true. He had a really damn good career at Pitt. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him at the next level. Well, hey, Corey, unless you got anything else to add, man, I think watch the Pitt basketball program, support them, enjoy that Duke game. I think it's going to be fun. And H2P. Adios. Adios.